And while we have a through line that states authorial intent means dick. Right. I don't want to have to have the same haircut you have, Dad. Sorry, forgive me. Harriet motherfucking tub. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be crawling to something else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. JK. And, Rowling. And she ah. something So was was this before or after the poster and you vomiting all over the couch? <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Ed's eyes just crossed. That is fucked up. <laughs> but it's not wrong. in Northern California, and um, as, you know, as much, I mean, we try to keep this timeless, but... No, this, I this try is, to keep this timeless. You keep this timeless, I don't. You just, don't you, like, cross that line, do yeah, a jig, I, yeah, I and then the come back saying, private, oh, I kept it timeless. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. No. Um, so this week was back <laughs> to school night at my site. Sure. And um, I... I <sighs> I wound up being really ambivalent about the fact that uh, we we held it in person, mm. um, and I mean, I'm I'm it's one of those situations where like there's one part of it that I'm really really like immensely pissed about, and then there's another part that like looking back on it I'm like you know what I'm actually that was that was really that was good there was there was a good thing there, so the part I'm pissed off about is of course that um, you know we're still in the middle of a worldwide disease pandemic in in like wave i don't even know what a variant like i lost track three greek letters ago i like i don't know they don't use greek letters at this point so we are we are definitely dating this uh we are past ba point four five and six yeah okay it's it's now coming around to something different yeah and so anyway we're, we're we're in the middle of all that and like literally everybody at my site i'm in two different departments so i had to attend two different department meetings about this you know we held a vote and in two different you know i mean on the same day i had to bounce from one to the other but in in two different department meetings the vote was unanimous and the vote was was apparently unanimous across the other departments too english department and history department and everybody else voted let's do it virtual cool so the masses got their way and no our problem. and yeah and our and our administrator was like I really want to do it virtual and the district office came back and said no we're going to do it in person. Did they so, get to show up to the same place? Oh, because what, what? That's the only acceptable. What, you you pleb what? <laughs> what? 
and and sweat it out with with the hoi polloi? Are you what? Are you? I didn't start off pissed new? off, but uh, are, are but I'm there new? now. I'm are there now. Like, how long have you been working in education? Come on, you you knew the answer before you fucking asked. Come on. So anyway, so that was that I felt I felt desperately ill used. I was really pissed about that. We were all we were all, you know, everybody was to, to one extent or another grumbling from from miffed to like incandescently angry about it. Um, But then I realized after the whole thing started, part of the reason that I'm good at my job is I I'm a performer and I need an audience. And it wound up actually like. I, I had some really good connections with some parents and um, I got to humanize myself for them, which like, you know, is incredibly important. I'm pretty sure I bought myself some goodwill with a lot of them going into the rest of the year. Um, and one of my favorite bits was I kept, I, I, cause this, this is, you know, sixth graders are still new to me. And so I mentioned to these parents that like, you know, I'm used to dealing with seventh graders who frequently have harder edges and more of like a, a carapace on them. You know, they're, they're, they're harder and scratchier and they, and they have, they have edges. And so I'm, I'm still learning how to adjust to sixth graders and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, they're, they're learning to react to me and I'm learning to react to them. And what I've learned is that, you know, I've gotten used to over the last many years of my, my career dealing with older kids, I've, I've learned to, you know, use the steel fist and a silken glove. And I'm realizing now that I need to switch to a different metal, like bronze or copper, or, you know, something a little bit softer. And, and I kept getting laughs with that. And that was, that felt really good. Like in the moment, that was that was a hit of of dopamine that I really needed. Mm -hmm. And like the rational part of my brain is like that doesn't fucking matter. Like mm -hmm. no, this is still a fucking travesty. But the squishy emotional dopamine centers in my brain are like, yeah, but man, yeah, it... yeah, but you know. And so that's so I'm ambivalent. I shouldn't be. Like logically, I'm like, no, no, this was bullshit, and we shouldn't have had to do it. But yeah. So I that's think, that's I think yeah. both things of that can be true though. Like this isn't like measuring whether or not Anakin was a villain. This actually can have you know, <laughs> you don't, this can have nuance. There can yeah, be you don't have to weigh the scales. Yeah, right. To, yeah, okay. You know, right. the, <laughs> like all of that is absolutely there, true. That's nicely done. Thank you. All yeah. of that is absolutely true. <laughs> you absolutely uh thrive in that situation and that situation still isn't uh safe and yeah. therefore should not have been foisted upon you. All of yeah. that can be true. So, so anyway, that's that's my big news for the week. Oh, cool. So, how about you? What do you, what do you had going on? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a Latin teacher for one more year and a U.S. history teacher at the high school level up here in Northern California. Uh, and I let's see. Since we've dated this, uh, I'm still not working. Ed and I are in different districts. Uh, mm. His starts at a reasonable time. Mine starts way too late. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. So yeah. I spent today um having a work date so my girlfriend and i are both teachers and she came over with a list of things she wanted to get done i had a list of things i wanted to get done and we worked on those things and then we broke at the end of it and it was nice because it was my house is like incidentally set up well for working quietly together yeah um and yeah, so that's you, what we spent our day doing well that's that's actually really awesome 
Yeah. Like that's that's cool yeah. that you got the opportunity to share mm-hmm. their space with each other. Yeah, it felt a you little know, L. Frank Baum and Matilda Gage, you know, <laughs> minus the personality. Well, part, I'm, I'm sure like... I'm sure she's she's probably far more aggressive and alpha than you are. Um, oh, Matilda. Absolutely. Say, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and so here's the thing. Like, she's a music Same. teacher. So yeah. She is over there. So she's a knife fighter. She's been yeah. trained yeah. For, for her but, whole career. But like, she's no, over man. there. No, no, those funds discretionary. <laughs> that's fucking mine. If you come here, I will cut you. But she's over like, there, like humming out tunes and going. And I would hear her, and I'd see her moving her hand as though she was on the bow. Yeah, and you know how like people say, you know, I was tight. I was writing an email, and their fingers start do- going like they're doing. Yeah, an email, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, she's over there like phantom bowing and humming out a tune. And she's like, no, that's too complex for them. But maybe for. And so I just got to like see her process. And it was that had, it was, to, be, that had to be so fucking cool. It was neat. Yeah, that's it was really neat. cool. That's you know, cool. She's, she's doing a process of a thing that I have zero talent in whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, despite my last name. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was cool. but it was it was really nice to just occupy yeah. the same space. And then we would bounce yeah. ideas off each other. Uh, yeah. Like, hey, how does this sound? Uh, if you're going to do a rubric, what would you do? And on and on and on. So there's it's. it's yeah. I've never yeah. dated a teacher before, um, much less been in love with one. Yeah. But uh, it's it's kind of cool because, yeah. you know, it's it's there's there's a level of there's a level of shared just like understanding yeah. of so much of like your paradigm. Yeah. Despite our wildly different subjects and levels, like she, she doesn't teach at the high school level. Um, what level is she at? She's a K eight. Oh yeah. Dear. So, okay. Um, but like it's my admiration for her just went up like three notches. (laughs) Well, now you know why she has the patience to be with me. I didn't say that out loud. I, just, I want it noted, like you know, as your friend. I wasn't yeah. the one who said that, you know. So. But I'm not going to disagree. But like when I was substituting, I eventually put in like a, like for myself. <laughs> yeah. I just said if it's if it's below fourth grade, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. If yeah. it's I... third, if it's third, I'll look at it real hard and be like, right. how badly do I like? Do I think I'll get another job? But if it was second grade or below, I was nope. Yep. No. So because I'm I just don't have I don't have the yeah. the yeah. So I admire her immensely. For yeah. That. That's that's amazing. So, but that so said, cool. we have our three days of professional development next week, and it's the most ridiculous thing there is <laughs> because it's all online uh, modules, oh. but the district is insisting that we be in person to do the online modules. Because of course they're insisting, and you're all gonna have to be in the same fucking room, aren't you? Yeah. And I'm like, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sit in the in the library yeah. right uh right, no can... a cafeteria because big old oh. school but still Fuck. we're all doing Stupid. an online module guess where we could do that Stupid. from like home yeah but it's i swear like, to god it's a conspiracy the... like they're trying they're they are trying to kill us by virtue of like pretending that they didn't know any better and it just well, with, it's, it's with like your... a weaponized incompetence with, with your district which will remain nameless um yeah. It's that's that's not even a conspiracy theory. That's just like I accept that yeah. it's just fucking true. Because right? like it, yeah, you know, it just... it, it, in in every other aspect of life, I, I look at anything going on and I go, never blame on maliciousness what can be explained by incompetence. Yeah. And in the case of your district, I'm like, nope, no, no. They're it's, they're it, emulsified. They're, 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 
<laughs> they're 100 percent. They, they are thoroughly it is a yeah. solution at this point you yes separate one from the other yes there no are, the oil is in uh, the water like we yeah. don't know how but like, it's, we don't they're we the don't same. know how the hell it happened but there yeah. it is yeah it's, actually i'd say in your district it's more like you know water and and uh uh shit oxygen uh, peroxide hydrogen okay. peroxide like the solution is just like no yeah like no it's it's the same shit like yeah. chemically it's not but yeah. like no it is now a thing <laughs> my district yeah. i bet my life on it <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, yeah so that's that's what i'm looking forward to next week it's gonna be stupid yeah um and sucks. the thing is like i actually really like the training that they got for us but i wanted to go to the next level this year for it and uh... they've got us still doing like entry level type stuff and okay they're doing it in the worst possible way oh so, yeah well, so that like i can't absorb it i can't integrate it into my philosophy i can't reflect upon it and i can't change my teaching in those two and a half days before i have kids in front of me so and then it's and, the yeah, best and, idea and the done that, the worst way okay the part that the part that always rankles me at the beginning of the year which my current district is better than my old district was about this, but it's still, it's endemic to the profession is like, okay, so you're going to come in and like, we want you to report in, you know, three days before the kids show up mm -hmm. and we're going to take all but half of one day. That's precisely the model. To talk at you. Yep. Like, how about I've got a goddamn classroom to prepare? Yeah. Or could you at least give me a towel so I can get could something you... productive done? Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. And, and, um, I wound up like this year, um, I, I didn't wind up decorating my room to anywhere mm -hmm. near the same standard I did last year because mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still probationary, but like, yeah, I'm I don't not, work for I'm free not, and I put in, in four hours I'm not working today. for free anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm done with that and no, you yeah. know, and I mean, you know, the kids don't know any better because they, they're all sixth graders. They weren't sure. here last year, but you know, I still, like I'm looking at my room like, well, shit, if they'd given me more time, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. So anyway, now that we've bitched so, about our jobs. Speaking of conspiracies. Yes. Uh, tonight's topic uh, uh -huh. is is going to be about a TV series that got four iterations over the course of 26 years. Okay. And it's. Four iterations. Yeah. And it absolutely feeds into conspiracy theory wackiness okay. toward the okay. end but the whole time it actually is kind of encased in that so yeah okay. you're older than i am you remember more oh, than i do okay um and then also i'm going to talk about the podcast <laughs> but do you okay. remember a tv series with mark singer in it and michael ironsides in it called v uh, <laughs> okay, so you mentioned the name Michael Singer and nothing happens. You say Mike, you say Ironsides. Yeah, Mark Singer. Mark me. Singer. You say yeah. Mark Singer. I don't I Beastmaster. I, I don't Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you say that and I like I can immediately picture his face, but like, sure. the name bounces sure. off my memory like nothing. But Michael Ironsides. Michael Ironsides on the other mm -hmm. hand, like, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. Ratchet Mr. Dick right Uzi there. himself. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I do have memories of V. I okay. I have I I actually have some pretty vivid memories of V. In fact, do you? Yeah. So uh, when it when when the first miniseries yep showed up, I remember how many nights it was over. 
but uh, when that was when that was first on, okay, mm-hmm. when that was first on, um, it was af- it was on after my bedtime, mm-hmm. and I remember some of the other kids who did not have parents who were as strict helicopter like, uh, you know, talking about it, mm-hmm. and I remember. Like, I don't remember if I like snuck out of if I was intentionally sneaking out of my room to try to see what my folks were watching, or if I or if I like got up to go to the bathroom and I caught a glimpse of something. Sure. But um it what I what I what I what I actually saw on two separate occasions was uh the very first scene when she unhinges her jaw and eats the gerbil. And eats the gerbil. Yes. Which which glorious eighties special mm-hmm. effects going on there, and then the other one was the baby. I caught uh, a glimpse of yeah, the alien yeah. baby, or actually not the the, the the yeah the alien looking baby in the yep. crib. And what I also remember was we were living in Hawaii at the time, and it was on this, this was on way way late at night, and the local news folks. You know, uh, mm-hmm. back when you know people like watched the local news, um, and it wasn't owned by you know huge multinational conglomerates. Uh, the the anchors on news were coming on, and they were they were live doing their hey on the eleven o'clock news tonight. You know their mm-hmm. their break ins during the commercial breaks. <laughs> like over several of those break ins, one of the anchors in the in the in the local studio was saying, "Oh, oh." I got to, I got to see this baby. This is going to be good. I got to see this baby. I got to see this. And then when they, when they cut to go to commercial break right after, you know, the cliffhanger of, Oh my God, alien lizard baby. Mm-hmm. The first thing they did was they went to tonight at 11 o'clock yeah. news. They went, they went back to that news studio and it was just, it was just an empty studio. The desk, there was nobody behind the desk and the camera ran up on the desk and you heard the cameraman going, Bob, Bob, and they looked, pointed the camera over, over the, over the desk, and he was, you know, like he'd passed out, like right. Nice. So yeah, you know, it was, it was a different time in television, but yeah, and and the idea of, you know, uh, the the humans being like freeze dried or stored like aboard the alien ship in the pods. Yep, that messed with me. Like that showed up in my nightmares for months sure sure so yeah no i i remember okay. it i remember it pretty vividly i don't remember anything about the plot but i remember those those details okay well we are going to spend some time discussing each of the four iterations in v uh in in an, a podcast <laughs> series titled v four times from allegory to warning to conspiracy hysteria or how a warning about nazis became the tool of people who want the nazis to win Oh shit! Okay, yeah, it's gonna get depressing. So well, let's start in 1935. One of your episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> did the one on Ace of Base. I know. I and know. Nazis. Um, I know. But yeah. <laughs> not my fault. It's yeah. Nazis all the way down. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it really when you don't take life. your full course of antibiotics and you just this take is, it until yeah. the symptoms abate. This is true. So so anyway, okay. In 1935, Sinclair Lewis wrote It Can't Happen Here, which is a dystopian political novel that described a Hitler-like American politician drawing upon the baddest of faith and taking the greatest of liberties with opportunistic politics. 
Sinclair Lewis's wife, Dorothy Thompson, uh, Dorothy, uh, reported on the growing power of Nazism in Germany that she became the first American journalist expelled from Nazi Germany in 1934. Go dot. Yes. Hell yeah, man. Thompson had met and interviewed Adolf Hitler in 1931. And then she wrote the book, I Saw Hitler, in that same year because she wanted to warn the world of what would happen if he came to power. She okay. is she is a Cassandra, obviously. Um sadly, even though she's a Dorothy. Yeah, and, and again, this is 1931. He has not yet come to power. She saw this coming because there were signs, and if you look at them and pay attention to them, you could do something about it. Well, yeah. So she yes. says of him, she said, quote, he is formless, almost faceless, a man whose countenance is a caricature, a man whose framework seems cartilaginous without bones. He is inconsequent and voluble, ill-poised and insecure. He is the very prototype of the little man. Wow. Okay, so she wrote that in what year? 31. And it took them until when to kick her? Well, they weren't. Well, they, had power, power. Sure, no, they had to be in power. But you, you could see why she was jackbooted <laughs> from the country in 34. Oh. Oh yeah, well, I yeah. mean, the moment the moment Adolf got up there, that could not be allowed to stand. Well, I mean, they took power in thirty three, right? Yeah, and so, but they're entrenching their power in thirty four, and Jesus. some of that has to do yeah, with well. kicking out, you know, oh, press yeah. that doesn't well, like yeah. them. So, I mean, as soon as, as soon as they could, she's going to be at the top of the list because you know, right? The leader cannot be disrespected like that. Exactly. But back to her husband, who wrote a book. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In Lewis's book, it's nineteen thirty six. We follow a journalist, Dorimus Jessup who is a classic liberal who hates communists and authoritarians both as he adjusts to the new thing that has happened here. Buzz Windrip, the senator from an unnamed state, is strangely charismatic. He uses a populist platform to insert himself into the Democratic National Convention, defeats FDR for the Democratic nomination, and runs on a platform of standing up for the forgotten man, making America prosperous and great again. $5,000 for each person and American values. He goes on to trounce the Republican and become president. Okay, I just I want to I want to I want to take a moment to mm -hmm. to say how in the present moment, looking at the shape of our current politics, mm -hmm. how I don't know if odd is the right word. How 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 interesting I find the change in paradigm. That when he wrote that in 36, the politician that he was overturning or, mm -hmm. or defeating to get the nomination was FDR, a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And he was Whereas, a Democrat who was doing it. And he's a Democrat. Yeah, he's a Democrat who's doing it, as mm -hmm. opposed to what, of course, actually wound up happening in our country, which was the little man who, don't you dare say he's a little man. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, 6'2, right? Right. Um, you know, and his hands are totally normal sized and all of his other tackle is, you know, perfectly, perfectly above average. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that guy mm -hmm. wound up overcoming from the right. So here's the question in 36 mm -hmm. was the calculus that this is going to come from that direction because like from the fdr direction because that's the populist direction yes okay yes it's right. it's populism 
Okay. Yeah, it's 100% now, okay. populism. Having figured that out, it makes like, okay. Yeah, yeah now it makes sense. Because right, that's cool. exactly how the Tangerine Demon also <laughs> became president. It was populism. Uh, yes, yes. And it was playing to the same basic people. Yeah, it was. People and for it was, whom and it was... inequality had hit hard and who yeah. felt ignored and aggrieved. Whether or not they're correct. Um, yeah. It's it's as a uh, friend of the show, uh, Gabriel Cruz, Dr. Gabriel Pr- Cruz said, resentiment, yeah. where your feelings might be based on bullshit, but the feelings you've got are real. Yeah. <laughs> and they're actionable. Yeah. So within a blistering short, um, blisteringly short amount of time, President Windrip creates a paramilitary force called the Minutemen, whom he uses to enforce his political will, set up concentration mm. camps, outlaw dissent, and completely nerf the Senate and the House. People do protest, including several legislators, uh, and are swiftly and brutally put down by the Minutemen who use bayonets to get their point across. Well done there. Thank you. Windrup then reorganizes the U.S. into districts, eliminating states completely and presumably the need for legislators from them, as well as installing military tribunals to put people on trial in kangaroo courts. Of course, people don't like this, but they agree that it's the only thing that will restore America to its former greatness, that and suppressing the rights of women and minorities. Well, yeah. In the book, a senator, Trowbridge, and I just love these names, he openly resists. So you've got Dormus, Buzz Windrup. Trowbridge. Yeah, I, I love uh, Windrip. Yeah. I'm still getting over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it, it could be Wind Drip or it could be Wind Wind Rip. rip. Yeah. Or Windry. You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, you it's know, a mystery. Or w- Indrip. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but they openly resist the president's corpo government and they set up this underground resistance called the New Underground which sets up a route for people to flee to Canada and sends out anti-Windrip propaganda. Dormus Jessup is a part of this organization, and he writes editorials critical of Windrip. There's a nemesis plot line going on, but Jessup ends up in a concentration camp and then escapes it and flees to Canada. Meanwhile, okay. Windrip manages not to follow through on his prosperous promises, and more and more people flee to Mexico and Canada, including his own vice president. He also begins alienate, he being Windrip, also begins alienating the rest of his inner circle. His secretary of defense and the main military attache to his secretary of defense ends up exiling Windrip to France. But then the secretary of defense, his name is, I think, Saracen, um, S-A-R-A-S-O-N, though. But, I mean, it sounds... Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. still, come on. He's so bad at his job that his military attache, Hike, H-A-I-K, uh, leads his own supporters into the White House to do an insurrection to kill Saracen and company and to set up Hike as the new president. Seeing that people aren't fully on board, Hike tries to invade Mexico since people love a good war, which necessitates a draft. And at this, the people finally balk, and one of his chief generals, Emmanuel Kuhn, defects. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> defects to the opposite side, taking a big chunk of the army with him, and then America is plunged into a civil war. With the resistance holding the center pretty well, and that's that's where the shit the this shit ends. That's where the the book ends. That is a hell of a ride, man. It is. It is. I mean, it's um, several hundred pages, and I yeah. I compressed a lot there. Wow. But okay. there, the thing is, this is a really really influential book on a lot of people, and and I wanted to start it here because and and kind of pull it forward because this does become an influence in everything that we're going to talk about. Okay. 
Now, Sinclair Lewis hella hated Huey Long uh, and was clearly naming him without naming him. And rightly so. Yes. Might I might I add. Right. But let's take a look at this. A strangely charismatic leader with a funny name. Yeah. uh, Who is just grabbing power and grabbing power and grabbing power. That's Huey Long, right? Oh, yeah. And he was going to challenge FDR from the left, from the populist left. That was his plan in 36. It is so weird. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. still, it, it's just, it, it is, it is so weird. And I mean, it's totally presentism, but it mm-hmm. is so weird to think of the idea of a racist populist demagogue coming from the left. Put a pin in that part right there. The racist populist part okay. demagogue. You're absolutely correct. But let's, let's come back to the racist populist. Okay. populist. Okay. Yes. Let's put a pin in the, the racist part though. Just okay. to make sure, just to make sure. Okay. Um, so Sinclair Lewis also casts himself as Jessup, obviously. Like there's a writer who has yeah, the power I mean, of the power, right? yeah. yeah. Now, luckily for Lewis, Long gets assassinated in September of 35. So the danger that he could have posed ebbed away. Long was from Louisiana. He was a governor turned senator who was strangely charismatic, a huge left wing populist from the South who thought that FDR wasn't going far enough left. Remember, Jessup didn't like authoritarians or communists. And this Mm. plays well in the impoverished South in the 1930s. Yeah. Uh, Long called his program the Share Our Wealth Program. Okay. Long was, in many ways, a a left-wing populist dictator in waiting. He was the political boss in Louisiana and one of the first to use loudspeakers to get his message across. I mentioned that just because also Hitler did. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, which is a game changer. It absolutely is a game changer because you don't have to be Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. This so is true. He also made big use of the radio spots and was fine with punching his opponent in the nose in public. He did in that. case, yeah, in, in case anyone is uh uh tempted to lament the uh slide of American politics into incivility. Um, yeah. no, yeah, <laughs> like that. I mean, we're headed there always, again, yeah. That, but that, that element has always been yeah. here, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, all right. So, once governor long fired hundreds of people that he considered political opponents, and he began consolidating power at an alarming rate to the point where he got impeached within his first year serving as governor. Uh, he Holy raised, shit, really, yeah. Uh, wow. He raised the government uh, mansion or the governor's mansion, and then he had a new one built in its place that resembled the White House. What? Yeah, what? he's making jobs. Uh huh. He used the National Guard yeah. of the state to overstep what the mayors wanted. Which, like, yeah, he's going to enforce it with the National Guard. Now, having said that, you do recall that it was paratroopers that were desegregating schools in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. What 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 was Long having the National Guard do? Uh it was a lot of it was the mayors weren't giving out monies to uh people from the state, weren't doling oh, okay. out, you know, because you have the 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 federal goes to state, the state goes to county, county goes to city, you know, that whole okay. or parish. I'm sorry, it goes okay. to parish because yeah, it's, it's yeah. Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. Um okay. Yeah, and uh, he dismissed criticism of bureaucrats who should have been a check on his power. His supporters in the legislature openly brawled with his detractors during an impeachment vote in the state assembly chambers. There's an actual brawl. 
his supporters used brass knuckles and his own brother bit a legislator's neck. What? Yeah. Like so, the brass knuckles part doesn't really surprise me because like this is this it's is easy the same to culture. Yeah. Well, and this is the same culture that gave rise to, you know, the caning of Richard Sumner. Oh, that's that's corporate. on the East Coast. I I I will say that Louisiana is a different beast, but you well, know, but it's deep south. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm just saying. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, I I understand your quibble, but yeah. like I'm still not shocked. <laughs> the biting, though, his own brother did it. That's <laughs> because, of course, went Blanca <laughs> on him. Like, like, just, like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Long survives an impeachment largely by offering favors to enough state legislators <laughs> that he would beat the math, <laughs> as well as going to the bully pulpit to tell people that it was all a plot by Standard Oil. Like, of course. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then he went after those who voted uh, in favor by eliminating their relatives from the government. Um, he took issue with something that he called the lying press. Wait, wait, <laughs> well, stop. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 what, what year is this again? Uh, 1929. Cause he would have gotten elected in 28 as governor. He, yeah, he was using that phrase in 29. Uh-huh. Wow. Oh yeah. That's, that's the thing. Grifters never do anything new. <laughs> like they just Holy crap. They reassess okay. a grift. Wow. Yeah. It's either like... that they reassess a grift or that the easiest thing to do is the least imaginative thing, and that's all grifters do too. Yeah, like, well, it's yeah, I, I yeah. think I think yeah, poor Nolos dose. I mean, it's right. it's basically the, the oh, two absolutely. boil down to the same thing, but like, oh my god. Yeah. Wow. So he so went went after went after people who crossed him. Mm-hmm. Used the phrase the lying press. Fucked over their family specifically. Yeah, like if yeah. any of them were in office. Yeah. 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 I you know, I don't know why this comes to mind, but mm-hmm. um you know, there's there's concern about in an in investigation of, of the orange one um mm-hmm. lately that that like the Department of Justice has has said specifically that they're worried about potential witnesses being intimidated or having their families be threatened like yep god damn it nothing ever changes does it no it's just the stakes get deeper yeah okay yeah anyway so So he also made his own newspaper starting in 1930 which was happily distributed by police officers state troopers truckers and highway workers okay yeah hold on sure He's a populist leftist. Yeah. Populist leftist. Yep. And authoritarian nonetheless. And, well, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Because authoritarian, then cops. Okay. Fine. Right. I guess I was going to say like, wait, 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 wait. You can wait, be an authoritarian leftist. You can. Yeah. You can totally be an authoritarian. Hi, Stalin. Joseph. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> buddy. Not buddy. No, fuck off. But wow. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> so then he runs for Senate. <laughs> which is a seat that he took in 1932. Now, during his campaign, his bodyguards abducted and held in captivity one of his most vocal critics for four days before the election. What? (laughs) Once his critic... Committed 
yeah. false imprisonment and yeah. false imprisonment. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure they didn't call it that. I'm sure they called it like, well, let's just come up to the cabin. Like and and when you leave, people will ask and you'll say, Oh, I was just fishing up by the cabin. Uh yeah, right. Okay. Shame if your family Cause... were to be hurt by any rumors, wouldn't it? Yeah. So once Evil. once Fucking released, Evil. his like... critic, whose name was Irby, um, read a fake confession that he'd asked long for protection, and that's what had happened. Look, I've been critical of Long, but he's got some followers that are kind of wacky. Long, can you please protect me? Um, and then he also what? had fake votes working in his favor as well. Okay, okay. Hold on. Sure. Wait. Stop. Sure. Okay. Because see, that's a level of complexity of plotting uh-huh. that I don't think our current crop of fascists would actually be able to pull off. So you're saying, I mean I mean, we did have a general plead the fifth when it came to do you do you think the constitution is the highest law of the land or yeah, whatever well, yeah, said. yeah yeah but but that's just or saying was, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to answer that question i mean he literally uh-huh threw his own followers under the bus mm-hmm. as an explanation for intimidating guy they was one of what, you know but like you, still this guy's I mean, ask might not have been based on reasonability. I mean, do, how many of us would actually have hurt this guy? Exactly. But he was afraid. Here's his okay. confession. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. I, can, I can almost hear that in the orange one's voice. All right. Okay. Fine. Now, but, he like, gets elected to Senate, oh but he God. delays assuming his own Senate seat until his governorship is almost up because he doesn't want his lieutenant governor to undo everything he did. So when he was asked why he was okay leaving the Senate seat vacant for almost two years, Huey Long remarked that it's been vacant for quite some time since his opponent held it for 31. So he okay, gets elected I, to the Senate a little and bit, doesn't okay. serve for two years because he doesn't want to undo what he's doing as governor. Okay, so, so mm-hmm. I mean, he's an evil son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like there's no getting around the fact that this is just like purely neutral evil right yeah. here. Like totally a hundred percent. Like I got mine. Fuck you. Yeah. Damn sure. Ain't lawful. But, but <laughs> yeah, but that, but that line, uh, huh. I, I have to grudgingly give him credit for a hell of a burn there. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like that's like, okay. not only did you put the shade back onto the guy that you defeated illegally, yeah. Yeah. but also, oh, yeah. But you've you've sidestepped any further question because people are laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. He he was a dangerous motherfucker. Uh-huh. Like listening to that. Holy cow. I'd have been terrified as this asshole, too. Oh, yeah. So Jiminy. when a governor leaves a state, the lieutenant governor is the de facto governor. Right. Yeah, and, in most systems. Yeah. Yeah. So when Huey Long went to Mississippi, he tried to keep it a secret so that his lieutenant governor, a guy named Sear, C-Y-R. Okay. Wouldn't be able to say again. Yeah, Sear sounds right. Okay, Uh, he wouldn't be able to act on it. Uh, Sear found out and then declared himself governor. Long then ordered the National Guard to surround the Capitol to prevent Sear from entering it, and then he petitioned the Supreme Court to kick Sear out since Sear had abandoned his post as lieutenant governor the second that he tried to take over as governor, and it worked. (laughs) Because only the good die young. Now, like, through through all of this, bitch. he can 
Huey Long continued to do things that he knew would specifically benefit the poor. He continued to keep that up. The forgotten men of Louisiana long increased paved highways in Louisiana more than sevenfold from 331 miles to 2,301 miles. Okay, stop. Sure. Stop. Okay. He took he took office in, in 29? 28. 28. Yeah. There were only 331 miles of paved highway. Consider when he took office in 28, the Model T had been around for what, 13 years? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, automobiles are really, really like, you don't really have trucking yet. We still go by rail, you know? Okay. All right. Meaningful point. Okay. But at the same time, this is the 30s. We're getting into building more roads, right? Oh, and well, so, infrastructure, that's that's when uh-huh. a huge lump of infrastructure investment wound up. And as you can see, he also constructed uh, a further 2,816 miles of more gravel roads. Okay. Uh, by 1936, there were 9,700 miles of new roads in Louisiana, which is doubling its road system by this point. He built 111 bridges and started construction on the first bridge over the Mississippi River in Louisiana. I'll give you one guess as to what they called it. <laughs> Uh, the Huey Long Bridge. The Boulder Bridge. That's great. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Huey Long Bridge. Um, all of this meant jobs for people and then the finished product, which would enable increased travel, increased commerce, etc. Well, okay. I mean, yep. from a from a Heinzian economic standpoint, that's not Brilliant. the wrong fucking thing to do. Like, Here's the I thing. Can't, he I did can't call this things. guy a dummy. Yeah. Right. He did very good things in addition to all this other shit. Yeah. Here, yeah. Th- there's a reason people voted for him. Maybe yeah. not a majority, but he took care of the rest. But <laughs> like, see, that's the goddamn problem, though. Yes. What? Yes, it is. For fuck's sake. But for instance, he increased literacy by over 100,000 people through his night schools that he funded and set up. He eliminated property taxes on the poorest 50% so that the first $2,000 worth of property that people owned was assessment free. And, of course, he kept teachers' wages low. Uh, but, <laughs> motherfucker. Because, of course. <sighs> yeah. Fuck um, you, Huey Long. Once he's senator, he pisses off nearly everyone, and he decries their lack of effort in his eyes. He filibustered like a motherfucker, and he got zero legislation passed. Roosevelt himself pointed to Huey Long and Doug MacArthur and said, these are the two most dangerous men of our time. Yeah. Roosevelt also seems to have been the first president to use the IRS to harass someone because he turned them on Huey Long and his lieutenants right away. Well, yeah, because like, I mean, you look at Long and you're like, there is no way your your taxes are on the up and up. Right. Like, 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 you know, you are as corrupt as the day is long. There is absolutely no way. You've got to be keeping four books. Like, you know, four. You biker. (laughs) In 1934, Huey Long goes on the radio and declares his share our wealth plan. Uh, clearly, he's lining up for a run for president. It's 34, right? The the yeah. election will be in 36. And now he's got executive experience, legislative experience. He's getting national exposure. Um, he guaranteed a minimum income for everyone, a free college tuition, veteran benefits, a month's vacation for every worker, a 30-hour work week. for every single person, free medical services, on and on and on. 
he is running to the left of FDR. Politically and economically, in terms of his personality, he's absolutely an authoritarian. So, okay, wait. Yeah. Sorry. I, I have to interject here. Sure. So he was talking about guaranteed basic income. Yeah. In 35? 34. 34. And a 30-hour work week. Like, I mean, he's 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 an authoritarian, you know, wannabe emperor. But mm-hmm. like, can we can we talk about those points? Like, can right. we can we break some of that shit up? Like now, now you can also see why having that, someone like him do that will poison those points. Oh yeah, in a like big way. yeah, yeah. So in 1935, it's clear that he's angling for the presidency, and he is very scary to the Roosevelt administration. But the problem with Huey Long was that he made a lot of people angry in Louisiana, too. And angry people in Louisiana can sometimes become armed angry people in Louisiana. Aren't they by default armed yeah, angry probably. I mean, Louisiana? Like, yeah. Anyway, and sure, sure enough, in 1935, an anti-Long paramilitary organization called the Square Deal Association was formed. Its members included... <laughs> four, <laughs> they, they, yeah. were, they were really called the Square Deal Association? Yes, Okay, I want to resurrect the Square Deal Association as <laughs> as like a corollary to the Redneck Gun Club. Like, can yeah. we do this? Yeah, can we, sure. Please, or Redneck Revolt and the and the John Brown Gun Club is what I was thinking of. But yeah. like, kid, please, yeah. <laughs> like, how do I sign up? What what do? So, uh, its members included former governors John M. Parker and Ruffin Pleasant, which I love the name, uh, and New Orleans Mayor Mayor T. Semis Walmsley. I mainly just included their names because their names are fun. They took their guns and they seized the courthouse in East Baton Rouge. And Long then told the governor who, you know, who he was no longer governor to deploy the National Guard, who then used tear gas and fired live rounds at them. He also had banned public gatherings of more than two people, as well as any press that was critical of the present Louisiana government. Okay, wait. Mm-hmm. That's long had been that when he was governor and the bans had stayed in place, or the the replacement governor who was his creature had done this. The replacement governor. He told okay. the governor. To he told the governor. Yeah. He's like, I want this to happen, and this is what happened. He wow. used state okay. legislation to give him personally more power in appointing people to positions of power as well. And Long got the state assembly to gerrymander an opponent's district so that he wouldn't be seated anymore. The guy's name was Benjamin Pavy. Pavy's son-in-law, Carl Weiss, took exception to this happening so fast and so effectively, so he also took a gun, stood four feet from Long, and shot him in the back. Long's bodyguards returned fire, killing Weiss with over 60 shots. There's a reason that Long's bodyguards were called the Cossacks. Wow. Okay. Because they couldn't stop the internal bleeding, he dies about a day later. Uh, And this was a political and probably personal relief to the Roosevelt administration, (laughs) as well as the Democrat Party bosses. I'm I'm sure every member of the Democratic National Committee and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt all slept much more soundly. Yeah. After hearing that this guy had passed on. Yeah. Uh, here's what an economic advisor to Roosevelt said. He said, quote, when he was gone, it seemed that a beneficent peace had fallen on the land. Father Coughlin 
Reno, Townsend, et al. were all pygmies compared with Huey. He had been a major phenomenon. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. And and wow. Yeah. So that, that happens I'm, in 35. I'm finding it mm-hmm. like incredible. Like like in a in a sense <laughs> of difficult to credit. Yes. That he had enough pull. Mm-hmm. After he had left the governor's mansion, mm-hmm. he still had enough power in the state. Yep. To have more power given to him. Mm-hmm. Like a senator can now do this. A, like mm-hmm. there's there's not even like constitutionally the federal system is supposed to mean that like no you're not the one who does that. Right. Like like that's not. Right, that state legislature, buddy. That's not that's not how this works, but but because mm-hmm. it was him, yep, cult of personality shit going on, mm-hmm. like that he could convince the state legislature to try to do that. And the thing is, and this is this is what kind of, not kind of, fuck that. This is what scares me hearing that mm-hmm. is with my limited legal training. I'm listening to this, like you know, I genuinely don't know if Article one or two of the constitution would actually make that illegal. See, like if a state legislature, if a state legislature were to say, well, you know, we're going to give the power to our, our senators. Right. They make these decisions like, and, and like, I don't, I don't, if, if somebody was a a good enough demagogue Mm -hmm. to make that happen, I don't know if there's. Well, you have to look at the state constitution for that. Yeah. Well, true. Yeah. But, like, I mean, you know, here in California, I don't think that'd be a thing because that's just not the way. Well, we, all we you'd really need is life. for the state constitution to enable the legislator to pa- legislature to pass any damn bill they want that doesn't violate the constitution. Yeah. All you need to do is pass a bill that nerfs your own power. We've seen this in Wisconsin. The state legislature, uh, upon uh, the governor losing and a uh, another governor coming and, in, and, started yeah, passing of laws the opposite of the opposite party. Mm-hmm. Started yeah. passing laws to to nerf the ability of the governor. So yeah, yeah, these these things happen, and they happen unless it gets challenged, and the courts are actual arbiters of the law. But it's it's a largely arbitrary process when. Guess who gets to a point or if the people elected a judge, that's the problem with elected judges. So that's true now, but holy shit. Mm -hmm. Just. Yeah, just that's all I got is just holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I had to get that out of my system. Sure. But for the son-in-law of a legislator, uh, it could have happened here. And it appears that Lewis meant Long. And it wasn't just Lewis who thought so. FDR was genuinely worried prior to Huey Long's death that if the Republicans won in 36, that they'd worsen the economic crisis. All evidence would prove that or would point to that. Undo all of the fixes he'd put in place. We've seen that happen time and again. uh, And make the country better for business owners and the corporations, not for the people. We literally have lived through that. And it's not like the previous presidency had been really all that good for the people that would leave the door open yeah that yeah like i mean i was talking about obama to trump but oh yeah well yes (laughs) okay yeah you know i mean hoover kind Mm -hmm. of gets a bad rap historically the worst rap that he deserves 
Well, I mean, he as had president, coming. he earned it. He he did okay. the worst possible things as president, and I love okay. the guy. I okay. as a humanitarian, right. he was amazing. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, but as as president, as president he, yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, yes. okay, all right. Yeah. So, uh, if if that happened, that would leave the door wide open for Huey Long in 1940. So FDR wasn't worried about Long in 36. He's worried about Long in 40. He said, "Quote." That would bring the country to such a state by 1940 that Long thinks he would be made dictator. And he probably would have. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, looking at looking at the way the winds were blowing worldwide in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, there was a really really old political cartoon. This is back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Where a a political cartoonist was was explaining the difference between you know radicals and liberals and conservatives and reactionaries, and all of them had the phrase had phrases that involved reform and revolution, and it was and it was how they related the two terms to each other that defined sure you know which which one like a radical would say there's no point in reform we need revolution right a liberal would say to avoid revolution to we need avoid reform. revolution we need reform yeah a conservative would say um pretty much you know, the same thing <laughs> pretty much the same thing but there, there was some there's some shading of difference and then and then a reactionary would say any reform is the same thing as revolution right you know is tantamount yeah. to revolution right and um so so and and i bring that up because the thing is if you went from somebody like fdr Mm -hmm. who was a liberal Mm -hmm. who was looking at the situation saying okay no we we need to do something because if we don't do something every like we're all gonna die you know this is this is just you know everything is gonna go in the shitter and Mm -hmm. and we're we're fucked Pardon my language, but you know, uh, as opposed to if the Republicans taken over, they were in in that period of time. They were so rabidly anti FDR and anti New Deal and anti all of that that they would have immediately gone to reactionary mode, right? You know, any we have to undo reform, right? Because it's all revolution. It's all been revolution. We need to undo it. Well, also, if you undo it, then you can prove that it it wouldn't have worked. Because you didn't actually give it enough time to take hold. Yeah. If you undid yeah. it in four years. Yeah. This yeah. this isn't working. So we're yeah. not we're not we're not we're moving something. This this hasn't done the trick. We're doing something else. Right. Yeah. Um. And and then you know and yeah shit would have gotten catastrophically worse. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean we we talked about I don't remember the episode number. You're better at that than me. But you know talking about you know Captain America as the embodiment of the New Deal. It was literally putting meat on the bones of Americans. Yeah. Like it was it was literally bringing millions of Americans out of malnourishment and and near starvation. Yeah. Uh, Prior to the Civilian Conservation Corps, 70 percent of Americans would not have been fit enough for service in the uh, armed forces. Uh, Afterwards, we were able to draft uh, millions and millions of boys. So. And, yeah. and I'm not even I'm not even talking about preparation, like, you know, being ready to to get involved in World War Two, because, of course, if Long had won mm-hmm. or if the Republicans had won in 36, 
Um, I don't know if we would have wound up like I don't I don't know if the Repu- whoever Republicans put in put in the position of of the presidency, whoever their POTUS would have been, if they'd won in thirty six. Um, I don't know if the measures that led to the Japanese deciding that they had to bomb Pearl Harbor would have happened. If you get what I'm saying, like we, yeah, no, I think they still would have. Okay. But but we may have, we may have wound up being like, I mean, the Republicans would have said, let's just, let's stay neutral. And long might've very well looked at it and gone, well, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think, I think we might want to actually ally with the axis here. Right. You know, like I've, I've, I've looked Adolf Hitler in the eye. This is yeah. a man I can trust, you know, or just simply let's stay out of it. Uh, America's well, yeah. got I mean, its own easy, problems. Yeah. The easy route out for yeah. both, both of those groups would have been, this is not our problem. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, to the point where with... in 1940 FDR was lying to the country to continue the Lend-Lease Act. Like that's yeah, we, also we true. Don't, <laughs> we don't like to talk about that. Yes. But um, yeah, and, you're absolutely, and, by the way, yeah. the, uh, the Captain America episode was episode 40 and 41, I believe. Okay. So. God, yeah. was that long ago? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Okay. So last week, while Huey Long was to the left of FDR, he shows two things as real possibilities. First, that populism is a dangerous mechanical device by which a person can elevate their status to dictatorship, no matter the ideology. And second, that liberals fear leftists far more than they fear fascists. <sighs> Yeah. It it can't happen here. Didn't seem to take on Nazism per se, though it certainly uh didn't do it as well, it certainly didn't do it as directly as Lewis's wife Dorothy Thompson did. She called out Nazism for the threat that it was. Lewis yeah. seemed to fall into the liberal ideology of totalitarianism as an equally bad on both sides. The horseshoe theory. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. we all know I... what well, okay. What here's 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 my own take. I can't sure. call it a hot take because I've kind of been ruminating on it for a long time. But we are a lot more likely. This this is what I'm going to say. In okay. in any Western democracy, starting as a democracy, what Western mm-hmm. Western democratic kind of system, we are a hell of a lot more likely to find a right wing movement turning into an authoritarian, in into an authoritarian one and and seizing power. Then we are to see a leftist one doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to argue that if it walks like an authoritarian and talks like an authoritarian, it is an authoritarian and mm-hmm. left or right. Like if you're fucking authoritarian, I don't care. Sure. And, and I don't feel bad saying that. Okay. What I am going to say is like, we are way too paranoid in this country about, Oh my God, leftist, you know, Stalin leftist right. authoritarians. And it's like, no, the right are the ones who are a shit ton closer to that. Yes. In like everything about their rhetoric, they're the ones we need to be worried about and like keep punching Nazis, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, and, and this isn't me trying to be smarter than everybody. This is just me sighing and exhaustion because I'm like pissed at everybody in this debate. Like everybody makes me mad. Okay. Because, like you say, liberals are too busy like being afraid of the leftists, mm-hmm. and of course, Nazis are Nazis, and they piss me off. So, well, you know, both like both I don't liberals, know. liberals, yeah. and the rest of America to the right of the liberals 
both have one thing in common, and that is that they fear the masses. It's just that on the farthest, farthest right, they fear the masses and want to kill them. Okay. Um, That's the fair. liberals fear the masses getting their way. They're, you know, like, well, we need to keep these bureaucracies in place. And I'm not saying it comes from a bad place necessarily. It comes from the recognition that social order is uh, a good thing. Okay. That social yeah, order is that. fragile. Um, yeah, okay. But yes. also the liberals, uh, they want power more than they want to govern. And they respect being really? in power more than they respect the will of the people. God, I really wish you weren't right. Uh, well, I wish so too. Could you, could I, you I would not. Yeah. I, God damn it. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, so, of course, we all know that everything that I just talked about is really leading to this main question. How yes. the hell does Mark Singer keep getting work? That's I, <laughs> It's a really, it is actually, I'm going to say <laughs> like of, of the deep mysteries of the universe. That is, that is one of them. Yeah. It is up there with, um, and I just completely forgot his name. Um, well, Kevin Sorbo is one of them. But that's not the one I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. How does, how does he keep getting work? Cause God, you know, you read the guy's stuff on Twitter and he's an asshole, but, um, mm -hmm. All right, I'll think of it later. Anyway, yeah, how how exactly does this guy keep getting work? Yeah. Like, he was a soap actor, right? No, not that no? I can find. No, really? but I didn't look that much deeper back than okay. Beastmaster. Okay. So, now, Kenneth Johnson was a young man growing up as the only child of a virulently bigoted and anti-Semitic mother and stepfather in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. His dad was absolutely convinced that black people were the intellectual inferior to white people because they had rabbit blood. Yeah. Wait. Yep. Okay. Where the fuck does that come from? I. Okay. It's Arkansas. Right. That was that was now. that was his his particular twist yep. on that. Okay. Kenneth Johnson noted early on that despite his dad's intelligence, he still had the ability to psychologically buy into something so ludicrous. Johnson has stated that this fed into his writing career. He wanted to chip away at such prejudices. Quote, hold it up and let it get sanitized. He became a writer for The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, and The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Kenneth Johnson had read It Can't Happen Here, but has noted as early as or as recently as 2020 as, quote, we can't let it happen here. He is a strong believer that we have to keep fighting and pushing against what is happening in the world. Now, after he read Sinclair Lewis's novel way back when, uh, he tried to write about a society in which there was a sea change in a culture. He wanted to explore how ordinary people reacted to extraordinary circumstances, and he decided to write a feature film script about a fascist shift. He was having dinner with then president of NBC, Brandon Tartikoff, who really wanted to read his script. And at first, Johnson held back because he didn't want it to be a TV show, but then he relented and Tartikoff loved it. The idea of an occupation of America was a very attractive premise at the time, quote, but I'm not sure that Americans will understand fascism, said Tartikoff, who had little faith in the capacity for Americans to understand history or political philosophy. Well, OK, well, so learned. I got yeah. I got I got a couple of things to say about that. Number one. Nobody ever went broke underestimating the foolishness or stupidity of the public. True that. 
like number one number two um this was the 80s and and i kind of want to say that the 80s were a low point of television writers giving their audiences any credit for intelligence mash that's mostly i feel like that's more 70s like i mean it, it was but it, it, 80s, it but went all the way to 84 so. i know but yeah but still going to say the okay. the the ethos or the mindset of MASH was more 70s than 80s. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean, disagree with you. You had Archie Bunker. You had MASH. I mean, you had stuff like that that was very much seated in the 70s. Maude, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the Mary Tyler Moore show. You had a lot yeah. of cool shit. Good times. Yeah. Some, some of which then, stretched into the 80s. The Jeffersons, yeah. for instance. Yeah. But um, this, this is also yeah. the 80s where you have the fall guy yeah the a team tj hooker tj hooker dallas falcon crest dynasty by by the way by the way i did look it up and mark Mm -hmm. singer was not a soap actor actor before beastmaster but he did have a role in season nine of dallas Mm -hmm. uh, after all of that um because he, he just looks to me like a soap actor but anyway um you know if, if you look at the stuff that was on network television in the 80s mm-hmm. there's not an awful lot of it that gives the audience an awful lot of credit for brains like if you look at comedies there are a few like soap for example uh-huh but it was, it was very niche. early 80s and it yeah. was very niche and like and it was it was way ahead of the curve yeah um, but like the wave in the eighties, the crest of the wave in the eighties was was kind of mindless entertainment. Yeah, it was and much I mean, more vapid. Could, yeah, we could we could we could like now I'm I'm looking at this like okay I've got to do an episode on this because why why exactly was eighties stuff as brainless as it was? Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of theories, but that's another episode. It is. And but but my point, I think, stands that like Hardikoff was part of the the um I don't want to say architecture but he, he was he was part of the the industry he was part of the system that mm-hmm. gave us everything that we got in the 80s he was which which was built around the idea that you're not going to go broke underestimating the intelligence of the American public and he was not wrong and he was not wrong yeah. Like I I mean I can't I can't even like I can't I can't criticize as strongly as I'd like to because it's not like he was wrong but right. you know the trend was not in the direction of you know really smart thoughtful let's True. let's give our audience credit for being able to think kind of entertainment. Yeah. You know. So So Johnson responded to that uh that that unsureness with quote well, it's not a complicated concept, Brandon. You shave your head, you put on a black shirt, and you beat somebody up. Tartikoff still insisted <laughs> that it needs to not be a grassroots thing because... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's too good. <laughs> shave your head, put on a black shirt, you beat somebody up. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, sorry, carry on. So Tartikoff still insisted that it can't be a grassroots thing because it can't can't happen here, you see. But an like, outside like, force, okay, like the Chinese or the Soviets. Um, and I found this fascinating because within two years, a movie of exactly that kind was released to enormous positive response. Oh, Red Dawn. Yes. Well, because it was the middle of the fucking Cold War. We had we had turned the Soviets into 
like a mythical titan of of terror. Right. See, we were you know. yeah, but we we couldn't think of ourselves doing it to ourselves, even though that's well, no, of course not. not right because well, because again, we hadn't taken our full course of antibiotics, right, and I think before as a nation, we're ever going to be able to get to the point where the majority of our dominant culture can recognize the possibility of fascism being an issue here. Mm -hmm. We would need to come to terms with the systemic white supremacy that has been part of our national fiber, the weft of our weave since the founding of the country and that's just too uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for too many white people to Mm -hmm. deal with yep you know and and so that's part of the reason we're on the precipice of it right now Mm -hmm. so so johnson rebuffs this suggestion uh you know that that it be some outside force he says quote i just didn't think that could happen which who's right is a foreign invasion couldn't happen. It could only happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but Tartikoff had a VP at that lunch as well. And in his suggestion was, well, what if they did aliens uh, instead? Much to Johnson's dismay. Uh, Johnson had written the bionic woman and he'd written for the incredible Hulk. And he was worried about being pigeonholed, quite honestly. But later he figured that he could tell the same story. But now it's got the eye candy of spaceships and laser weapons. And this could still be a show about power, acquiescence, collaboration and resistance that would still make people think in many ways, echoing the book that had influenced him so much. Now, more on the ideology in a minute. Let's take Mm -hmm. stock of what's happening in 1982 that would make this seem like a good idea in a lunch meeting. Star Wars toys are everywhere. The Empire Strikes oh, Back came yeah. out in 1980. E.T. came out in 82. Alien in 79. There's fertile ground for a sci-fi TV miniseries. And this was well, very... Star, okay, Battlestar Galactica. Now mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember my own research. Mm-hmm. Um, 79, wasn't it? Yeah, seventy. it was either 78 mm-hmm. or 79. Mm-hmm. And there was the attempt Star Trek movie. Reboot. There was a Star Trek movie, you're right. And... Uh, Battlestar Galactic. I'm trying to remember Galactica 80, 80 something. I now okay. have to look it up. But there, there was the attempt at a at a at a sequel to mm-hmm. the uh, Galactica series that was just. It, I mean, it was crap and it went nowhere. Uh-huh. But there was an attempt to do it. Yeah, but seeing so, that as a failure is not going to sell anybody on no, it. It's all no, these successes you're, you're, that really. No, but I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that lots of things mm-hmm. were getting greenlit. Yes, yes, that that other thing, too. So, yeah. So this was very well and creatively advertised as a series, too. Johnson had suggested using Nazi propaganda posters where people were encouraged to enjoy the visitor's company. Visitors are Mm. our friends, that sort of Mm. thing. No explanation, but do it three weeks before the premiere. Two weeks before the release, have kids go around and paint a red V on the posters with no explanation. And then a week before, put a sticker that says the battle begins on the premiere date. And it worked. It worked really well. There's so much more research just around that. But I decided to leave that out. That's like the beginning of viral marketing. Uh-huh. That's before. That's pre-internet viral fucking marketing. That's yes, it genius. Is. Yes, it is. Okay. 
So also, the re- also, there's something about Poe's law. Uh, go on. Well, and it might not be Poe's law, but the the no Poe's law is about talking about Nazis on the internet. Uh, kind of anyway. I'm trying to remember whose law it is about about satire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you put up posters that are supposed to be reminiscent of fascist propaganda there's going to be a sad percentage of the population uh who who are not going to see it as um uh as as a reflection of that who are just going to respond to the incipient fascism that's part of the imagery yeah but these these posters are not they're not your standard anti-Semitic. Okay. Hitler is a white knight kind of shit. They are okay. the visitors are your friend. It is okay. very much more benign. Okay. And okay. then having them right. with the V and with then the having v, them and then yeah. the sticker. Yeah. And okay. then the sticker. Right. It, it's okay. very different. Okay. Um, now the reviews for it, the fact that they got a 40 share at the time, all of these reviews were according to Johnson due to the acting and the clever use of low budget special effects. And most importantly, due to the message V the miniseries was a three hour, two night miniseries that came out on May 1st and May 2nd of 1983. Like I said, it was immensely popular. Now for folks who don't know, the plot goes like this. Visitors come to our planet from far away and promise all sorts of advances in technology in exchange for specific chemicals that we have in abundance that their planet has run low on. They have saucer-shaped ships, they have strange voices, they're sensitive to our light, and they have an eye-catching red and black uniform. They come in peace and as friends. The governments of Earth all agree. How rad is that? They all agree on something. And they have a few leaders whose names are impossible to pronounce, so the visitors go by the names that we understand, John and Diana. Everything's going fine, but people start to notice an uptick in the government restricting scientists specifically, and a media offensive to disparage scientists more broadly. Some scientists who were especially interested in getting to know more about the visitor disappe- visitors disappear. Others are simply discredited to a public who is willing to go along with this vilification. To the point where the kids of scientists get into fights at school with other kids who attack them because their parents are filthy scientists. Several noteworthy scientists admit to subversive activities against the visitors and or the Earth's governments. And then it gets weird. Behaviors change. Dietary choices change. And most of the scientists who have committed these atrocities and have admitted to them are suddenly left handed. A cameraman and a journalist uh, who were originally covering the ongoing civil war in El Salvador had first noticed the visitor's ship while doing so. Uh, he has his interest peaked, the the reporter, uh, has his interest peaked by one of his producers pointing out uh, a lot of the behavioral changes amongst the scientists. Now, during that time, his name is Michael Donovan, by the way, he has been working as a cameraman for reporters who are offered access to the L.A. mothership. On one trip, he finds a golden key aboard one of the shuttlecrafts and pockets it just to give it to his son as a souvenir. His ex-wife complains that she can't compete with his exciting lifestyle for the son's affections. And after noting the handedness switch, Donovan and, Tro- and Tony, his, uh, his, his reporter or his producer, rather, agree that they need to sneak aboard. But Tony ends up tripping and missing his chance. So Donovan sneaks himself and his camera aboard the mothership over L.A. There he discovers and films 
that the visitors are dumping the chemicals into the upper atmosphere because they don't need them. And he also hears them talking about Diana's conversion process while she and another eat rodents, including Diana swallowing the guinea pig hole, the thing that you saw going pee-pee. Yep. He ends up getting found by a visitor who was removing contacts to reveal reptilian eyes who noticed him in the vent and then pulls him out of the vent, hissing his snake-like tongue at him. He rips at the visitor's face, revealing a reptile underneath. Donovan sneaks aboard another transport and evades capture. He escapes and the tape, with the tapes and meets up with Tony and brings them to his news station. Just as they're about to hit the air with the shocking development, the visitors interrupt the broadcast, spinning a lie about how there have been several attacks at facilities making the chemicals for the visitors and that the governments of Earth have declared martial law on the planet with the visitors in charge. Donovan is now a terrorist, making him and Tony fugitives. The visitors have control of the media, including his own colleague, Christine, and they've co-opted law enforcement to hunt down Michael Donovan. And that's really the crux of the miniseries. These visitors haven't toppled our governments and killed our leaders. They came in, insinuated themselves into the halls of power and influence, and then used that to go to swiftly silence those who would call them out for their more consuming wishes. What's more, Donovan's own mom, a rich lady from Texas, as best as I can figure, is actively collaborating with the visitors. She's very wealthy, and he's kind of the black sheep to begin with. So that's the basics. And now I've got much more plot to go on, but I wanted to give you a chance to just call out anything that you So now, <laughs> okay, now. I'm trying to remember, but that's like episode one, right? Yes. That's just the first hour. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and honestly not even the entire first hour i've still got yeah it. i know and it is yeah. It, it yeah that's the donovan 80s, arc though yeah i know 80 80s miniseries were a trip they like, were dense the yeah there's a lot going on um i i find it really interesting that um he's <laughs> they the, the uh the writer managed to weave el salvador into all of this, which was oh, a civil war in our next episode between a right. I'm going to cover a, a lot communist of that. movement. Like, okay. yeah, I'm, like, I'm going, like, I'm, I'm okay. going to cover a lot of that in the next episode. Now, now, you know, to anybody just watching, it was like, well, yeah, El Salvador is in the news because this is 80, 83. Uh-huh. So this is before Iran Contra, right? I'm gonna get into all of that, Ed. Okay, all right, okay, but okay, yeah. but but yeah, just I, I I heard you say that, and my ears perked up. Like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Yep. There's mirroring here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had managed to forget that the protagonist was a reporter. Like in, in all the mm -hmm. years since this was on, I'd forgotten I'd forgotten that the protagonist was a reporter. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, since he's cribbing from it can't happen here, he'd have to be. Yeah. Um, you know, interestingly, in the cyberpunk miniseries uh, Max Headroom, mm -hmm. which was a dystopian future, also science fiction, uh, that was a much more like corporate overlord dystopia rather than you know overt like crypto military fascist dystopia mm -hmm. uh but it was still a a somewhat rightist dystopia um the main character there is also a reporter right and that's an interesting kind of parallel there 
And well, I'm gonna keep in mind so. the the people who are giving us these stories are writers, and writers have a bias toward journalists. That's true. As fellow writers, are a, are a sub subspecies right. of writer. Yeah. So there, so, there yeah, is going to be some lionization. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, in other carry on. I don't want yeah. to. I don't want to step on anything because clearly I, I twigged on something there. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in other communities, the young are encouraged to interact with the visitors and even join youth brigades, especially <laughs> noticeable by their brown uniforms that they wear. <laughs> Some visitors even begin relationships with teenage girls. One such visitor named Brian seduces young Robin Maxwell into a sexual relationship and gets her pregnant, which turns out to be one of Diana's experiments. Brian is also very he good friends. He was played by Robert Englund, wasn't he? No, he was not. That's a totally not? different character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's okay. Brian is also very good friends with the boy next door named Daniel Bernstein, who's always had a crush on Robin. And there's a bit of tension but Daniel uh, largely sets that aside because of his proximity to power with his friendship to Brian. Daniel becomes one of the leaders of the Human Youth Brigade for the visitors. Now, Robin, yeah, sorry, Daniel sure. Bernstein. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just you'll see. like okay, because yep. again, I I only caught glimpses of this when I was you know sure eight. So sure. okay. I, I do keep forgetting that I'm the only one that's seen all of this. Like I'm saying this like, <laughs> fuck, it's easy. It's obvious. These are the first time you've heard these names. I forget. I apologize. Well, it, yeah. In, yeah. Now, in Robin's dad years. is a very well-known scientist who ends up disappearing. Daniel's grandfather, Abraham, convinces Daniel's. Re- yep. Convinces Daniel's. <laughs> yep. Convinces Daniel's reluctant to get involved parents to hide the Maxwells in their pool house because of his family's history with the Holocaust. Okay, thank you. Uh huh. Abraham gets it. His son is reluctant and he's like, What can we do? He's like, You have to. There is no choice. You have to. And he actually gives this impassioned speech about how um, he's, you know, I never told you what actually happened uh, to your mother in the camps. Da, 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 da. Um, you know, we, we smuggled you out in a suitcase and he's like, yes, dad, I know, I know, you know, so you kind of have this interesting, like mouse kind of thing going yeah, on, a little but bit there. then, then he talks about how your mother actually did, you know, she, you know, the, the, the family story was that she died on the way to the camps. He's like, no, she survived and it's worse. And here's what she saw. And here's what, you know, and so that's why we have to, and grandpa is crying about how we have to. And, and, uh, wow. Daniel's dad, whose name I just fucking forgot. Um, Daniel's dad absolutely like acquiesces. So they let the Maxwells, this family of scientists, stay in their pool room, uh, their, their pool house, uh, because uh, of this history. Daniel figures out that the Maxwell family is high is in hiding, and he hatches wow. the plan that he's going to marry Robin. And he says this at breakfast while pouring champagne for his family. And he says, quote, see, I want her just like I wanted this champagne and I will get her. Otherwise, I'll just have to turn her whole damn family in. How does his father not fucking murder him or grandfather not fucking murder him right there? Funny you would ask that. His grandfather takes the champagne and spills it right in his face and walks away. Daniel then, fuck you, goes out to the pool house immediately to drag out Robin and his own father throws his ass in the pool. At this point, Daniel grabs his sidearm because the youth brigade is fucking armed and points it on his dad and nearly shoots him. 
yeah, he's armed with a visitor's weapon. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, little brown coat Daniel uh, turns in the Maxwells with the promise that his family would be granted amnesty. And of course, that is quickly betrayed. He comes home to find that his own family has been taken in for questioning. And Brian shows up and promises that his family and his grandfather will be home soon. Uh, and Daniel says, well, my grandfather isn't well. And then he gives Brian a ring. or And then uh, Brian gives Daniel a ring uh, and uh, gives him a promotion to make Daniel feel better. Oh, no, actually, Daniel is worried about grandfather. And Brian says, yeah, your grandfather's not doing well. But then he gives him a ring and a promotion. And uh, Daniel feels better. And I got to add that Brian absolutely looks every bit the Aryan prince that you would expect. Okay, yeah, now I remember. Now I do remember Brian. Yep. Douchebag. Young, handsome douchebag. Uh, Like, looks like he absolutely, like, missed out on the role of Johnny in in, uh, Karate Kid. Like... (laughs) You know, central casting <laughs> called and yeah, he yeah, was number yeah, three, you know, numbered, yeah, the Maxwell's then go on a run on the run, getting smuggled out of L.A. by a migrant worker who uses his migrant worker coyote methods to that he'd use to get people into L.A., um, including like biting an, an onion. And so when the the they, they're stopped by the roadblock, he turns to the officers like, how can I help you, officer? And they're like, oh, fuck, just go on, just go on. And the family wow. is stuffed under the bed of the truck. You know, there's like a tiny yeah, platform. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So these, the Maxwell's. This was so yeah. on the goddamn nose. Oh, like, hundred, yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the writer, he is very good at this. I, I, I may actually have to go back and watch this now. Yeah. Um, it's on Tubi. Okay. Um, so. All right. Uh, he escapes, or I'm sorry, the, the family escape. Uh, they form a resistance movement in L.A. with a biologist named Julie Parrish. Donovan later joins them, but first he goes back aboard the mothership to find out more. And while he's there, he meets Martin, a fifth columnist who is against the visitor's plan for conquest. And Martin tells Donovan everything, that the visitors are there to steal all the water and harvest the people as food, which includes Mike's son, as it turns out. Yes, my son i remember him Mm -hmm. and okay see the kid Mm -hmm. in the in the freeze-dried pod yes storage that is that is one of the things that fucked me up sure sure like for weeks after that okay so and and okay and so this fifth columnist the fifth columnist Mm -hmm. is england right Mm -hmm. played by freddie krueger england Right? No, no, no. Where am I getting? Okay, all right. I don't know. I'm. I don't know where I'm. Getting I'll get there. From, okay, all right. I mean, if you want, I will tell you. His name's Willie. He plays. Oh. He's. He plays Willie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and Willie is is not a fifth columnist on purpose. He just kind of accidentally slips into it because he doesn't really agree with what's going on, and he's an incompetent. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Fair. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Now, sorry. Donovan uh, sees Daniel's dad, whose name is Stan. That's that was his name. Um, And he sees that he's about to be tortured and Martin whisks him away. And he's like, fuck, I could have helped him. He's like, nobody can right now, Mike. Um, It's it's dangerous enough (laughs) for me that I'm talking to you. I got to save you at least. And and he also notices his his uh, colleague from the news station, Christine, happily talking with the visitors. She's fully co-opted. 
Donovan escapes with the help of another fifth columnist who is a hot woman uh, all the way down. They they apparently do the skin suit all the way down. So you get to see a woman in her bra and panties on TV oh, okay. in 1983. Yeah, well, I mean, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so he escapes with the help of the other fifth columnist and he goes into hiding. And there's I think in this instance, there's a chase scene, uh, but he's caught by a young criminal who's also working with the resistance named Elias, uh, who's, of course, black. Um, okay. Elias has an older brother. Don't remember his name, but uh, Elias's older brother is a scientist and uh, it's it's very sad what happens. Um, but so anyway, he's, uh, Donovan is then brought to the resistance. He's interrogated a little bit and he's determined to be trustworthy. The resistance grows, the Bernsteins are returned and they show a massive disdain for their son. Uh, and actually the scientist, uh, Robin Maxwell's dad, yeah. um, he comes back and he convinces them to turn their house into a safe house because, this house has already been searched. They wouldn't think to search here. This is why it's the perfect safe house. They're like, yeah, but our son, and do you see what happened to our father? And at that point, Stan gets up and he's silent the whole time. It's the wife who's making the plea of like, leave us alone. We've already suffered enough. And she's right. And then Stan gets up and goes to the, uh, the, like the bureau and he grabs out a letter and he makes his wife read the letter. And it's the final letter from their dad or from his dad about why it's important to always resist. Um, the battles ensue. There's lots of resistance stuff. There's a few victories. And eventually it ends with the visitors still having full control over the earth, but the resistance pockets strengthening and continuing the resistance. And that's the end of the miniseries. That's it. There's no resolution, just a we must fight message. And that's it for V. the fuck man yeah okay so i'm looking at how much time we have and i'm thinking that we're gonna stop there because okay. then i'm going to get because i said we're gonna put his ideology aside nah. in the next issue or in the next episode we're going to talk about kenneth johnson's uh ideology and why he wrote this okay so so okay. I know that I went at a bit of a blistering pace for the plot, but there's a lot of fucking plot. But the, yeah, the no, short was, version yeah, is I mean, visitors yeah. come take over the planet only by co-opting minimal violence. We do it to ourselves. Scientists are delegitimized. They're marginalized. A resistance yeah. begins. Yeah. And that's how it ends. What so, I, what what is bouncing around in my head right now mm -hmm. is the idea that the most instructive mm -hmm. the most the most like no no this is us like here is the anvil i'm dropping on your head this mm -hmm. is, us. is daniel oh yeah 100%. is 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 the teenager you know getting getting you know completely brainwashed and like you know like <laughs> that's 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 writer looking looking out from the script going that's you right yeah that is you you are the problem. Yep. I don't care who the fuck you are. Yeah. Pay attention. This is you. You suck. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't argue with him. Like, you know, the, the looking looking at this series and looking at uh it can't happen here, 
through the lens of the last, you know, six years mm-hmm. or so mm-hmm. of, of our domestic politics. I'm like, no, that's that's okay. You know, fair cop, man. That's mm-hmm. us. Like, oh my God. Um, you know, that that he's he is so wrapped up in his own importance and his own, his own, I don't want to say fulfillment because that makes it sound like more meaningful than it is. Right. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's not even, it's not even like fulfillment. It's his own aggrandizement. It's his own, you know, uh, feeding his own urges Um, that, that he winds up literally as a, as a Jewish teenager. Mm-hmm. In the eighties, like within, still within living memory, oh, easily oh, within living memory, yeah. You know, uh, uh, managing to to completely ignore that, mm-hmm. and and just completely completely betray all of that, so so blatantly, without without understanding it. You know, the the ignorance of of his own history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his own family's history is like, like, yeah, it's a really ugly, it's a really ugly thing. And yet he's the one that represents all of us. Yeah, well, I think there's something to be said there because uh, scientists choose their jobs. The Jews were chosen because of, you know, their perceived ethnicity and their perceived culture. And yeah. so there's your mental gymnastics. Mm, okay. Really All easy right. to be like, well, that's, that's no, that's not us because I mean, you know, we, we clearly have learned, um, you know, these are scientists and they were, you know, I mean, yeah, they were resisting, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. that kind of shit. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I totally see that. But like, you know, I, I said a minute ago, you know, I may have to go watch this and, and, you know, give, give this kind of another chance. Cause you know, I've spent my entire adult life every time the series has come up and I've been like, Oh wow. Talk about eighties cheese. Right. Oh yeah. And, and oh, we'll get to you're... that too, because and remember this is the first iteration. Yeah. Okay. And, and <laughs> this has you're... depth. Okay. And now you're talking about that. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to go give this another shot. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I'm going to spend the whole time wanting to punch this teenage kid in the fucking neck like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just over and over and over again. Like, oh, my God, Daniel, you little shit. Well, and I'll you tell know. you, he doesn't get his uh, his comeuppance in this series. Well, no, because it ends as the we have to keep fighting. So yeah. he, he kind of can't. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that's, that's my takeaway. Well, yeah. And that's what like, you gleaned. I yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to be Daniel, but like, right. That's what the author is telling the author is telling me I am. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's for now. That's, that's what I've gleaned. Well, and at the end of the first episode, I will tell you this. Um, there are some kids spray painting a red V on the posters. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Abraham catches them. And he corrects, you know, they're just spray painting across it. He and he catches them and he corrects them. He's like, no, 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 no. This is not how you do it. This is how you do it. And he says, V for victory. Always Abraham. for victory. Abraham is the fucking man. He is. He is. So he actually is the one that the visitors find in the house when they go to raid the house after Daniel calls. Oh, okay. And he's sitting in the pool room playing his phonograph. 
instead of where the Maxwells were, right? And wow. when the visitors open the door, he just looks at them and he goes, Shalom. And then it goes to commercial. <laughs> like, it's good, man. There, there, oh, there's what some... it be Abraham when I yeah. grow up. Holy yeah. cow. Okay. Yeah. So, Damn. yeah, it's it's something. So, all right. What are you going to tell people to read to this this time? Um, I'm I'm going to reiterate my recommendation of Two Gun Witch. Ah, cool. By friend of the show, uh, Bishop O'Connell. Yeah. Brother of mine from another mother, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but genuinely, even even if I were not biased in that way, I would still tell you, no, read this book. It's amazing. It's awesome. Um, it is it is propulsive and meaningful at the same time. Mm-hmm. I managed to touch on uh, very powerful historical issues and themes uh, in a very meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it manages to drop anvils without you ever feeling like you're having an anvil dropped on your head. Nice. I'll put it that way. All um, the anvils, none of the headaches. I like that. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to very strongly recommend that again, two gun, Witch by Bishop O'Connell. Okay, cool. How about you? I'm going to recommend, uh, it can't happen here by Sinclair Lewis. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then there's saw that coming. Not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> there's a companion piece to it so if you've already read it can't happen here um okay. i i strongly recommend uh you do it anyway um and and reread it but then it, when you're done with that uh go ahead and read um it can happen here um and that is by oh god what's his name Connison. um i can't remember his name and there are several books that are called it can happen here unfortunately uh his his name is like Cosinin or Connison. Um starts with a C. His last name starts with a C. Uh so I recommend that uh, as well as a companion piece. Um yeah, there's there's a lot of different I'm like scrolling through and there are a lot of different it can happen here books. So mm. um it's Cosinin or something like that. So it can happen here. It's a it's a good series. Um or it's a good okay. little companion piece. So uh let's see is there anywhere that you want people to find you online uh well online i can be found on tiktok as mr mr under slash and uh, underscore sorry blaylock um on twitter i am at eh blaylock and uh we are collectively on twitter at geek history time mm-hmm and uh, of course, you are listening to us right now. So you have found our podcast somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have not subscribed yet, please do so. Uh, we can be found to subscribe on the uh, Apple podcast app and on Stitcher. And of course, you can look up individual episodes of the webcast and listen to them on our website, uh, a geekhistoryoftime.com. Geek History Time. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Geekhistorytime.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can you be found, sir? Uh, all the places you just mentioned, plus Da Harmony on Twitter and Insta. Uh, also, you can find me. Let's see. By the time this drops, I'm going to say it's past October already. If it's not past October already, then uh, check me out uh, October, November, and December, the first Friday of each month at Luna's in Sacramento. If you have $10 and proof of vaccination, come down and check out Capital Punishment uh, with our new guest or our new uh, co-star, 
Justine Lopez. Uh, so I strongly recommend that you check us out that way. And I could use the money. It's coming up on Christmas. So <laughs> that, that is basically that. So for A Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.